This show contains explicit content not suitable for children. Viewer discretion is advised. You are now listening to The Shamar Williams Show. And now, your host, Shamar Williams. Welcome to the Shamar Williams Show. I'm your host, Shamar Williams. And today's topic deals with mental illness in America. And I have four, three or four, four special four. guests. <laughs> four special guests. Have to do I'm, roll call. <laughs> I am so sorry. Four special guests, and we have Dean. Dean, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Dean Patrick H. Aquino. I am a pharmacist. I'm also autistic, so I've seen mental illness every single day in my practice, and of course, I go through it. So it's a very personal thing. And I think this is very, very important to talk about because I think it, so, so people can, uh, can learn from it and people can open up to it. And when we open up and acknowledge to it, we can actually make some solutions and move forward, all of us together. Okay, Gina. Hello, my name is Gina Marie Rodriguez. I am an actress, writer, director, producer, among other things. And I also struggle with anxiety and depression, so I'm really happy to be here today helping to break the stigma and making this public. Richie. Uh, Richie Rayfield, I'm an actor located in Oklahoma City. Uh, I have uh, lived with depression since I was 10 years old, and uh, in the mental health recovery world, I'm known as what's called double trouble in that I suffer from mental illness as well as uh, a substance abuse issue. And I'm hoping that if uh, somebody out there listening can relate to what I'm sharing, then my day is good and that I've helped someone out there. And finally, Khalil. Uh, my name is Khalil Masi. Uh, I'm an actor, filmmaker. Uh, I'm also a meditation, meditation and mindfulness teacher, a uh, assault prevention counselor, and a Yoruba priest, and I have several members of my family who have dealt with mental health issues, and I believe that everyone has mental health or trauma uh, in this world, because you couldn't, you could not have it and be alive today in all the crazy shit that's going on in this world. Okay. And Thank you for coming, everyone. I'm glad that y'all came to this um, this discussion. Uh, my question to everyone is, why does America avoid this topic? I'll, I'll start with this one. So the reason why people avoid talking about it is because it's something that's very hard to understand. That's number one. Uh, number two, I think people don't want to be see themselves as inferior. So what you'll see in social media, people They'll show people, oh, I'm, I am superior. I am, I'm all positive and this and that. But the reason why they wouldn't share it is because people don't want to be criticized. People want to be understood. I think the, one of the first steps is to really open up and actually learn about it so people can understand each other. Okay. 
Um, anybody else? Um, sure. Uh, well, just to sum it up briefly, you know, um, like you say, you say, why doesn't America want to deal with it? Uh, I'll deal with America, but I'm dealing with the world, really. And when you talk about, uh, if you just even want to deal with the past few centuries of uh, Western civilization and colonialism, everything has a root. And you can tie back all of the traumas and such forth, mental health issues and such forth, to uh, many of the stigmas and various atrocities on a micro level and a macro level that has happened in society, racism, uh, sexism, uh, gender issues, you know, uh, everything, you know, where people were made to feel less than or where people were colonized or we had history of rape and oppression and murder across the planet. So, you know, I because of the areas I deal in, you know, I deal in, in, in looking at it from a systemic issue uh, versus an uh, individual issue because everything has a root. The problem is that we look at the, uh, uh, we look at the final product and we try to treat it in the society, but we don't deal with the root and systemic issues. And so what happens is the issues go on and on and on and on and on. And, 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 and issues never really get resolved. They abandon, get put on it. Uh, and people may act functionally for a while, but then eventually the disease kicks back in and, and it's cyclical. So we're not dealing with the root issues. That's basically what I believe it should be. Okay. Um, anybody else? Gina, Richie? Sure, I think... me... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Gina, you first. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that in regards to America specifically, I find it interesting that we call ourselves the United States of America, but we seem to promote more division than anything else. And I think that sense of otherness is really what sets those who um, advocate for mental health aside from those who don't. Um, in a sense, if you struggle with any one of the mental illnesses that are um, out there, then you're placed into a category that makes you one of the other. And everyone else who is not struggling with that or who won't acknowledge that they're struggling with that is able to put themselves in a superior position. That's not true. It, I don't believe that those are superior to those struggling with mental illness, but I think that's what's happening uh, in this country in particular. We really promote um, that sense of otherness. And I think that plays into this. And Richie? Uh, you know, I really think uh, I was first diagnosed with depression in 1986. And uh, I hope to God that doesn't give away how old I am. But uh, <laughs> it's been 34 years that I've been living with this thing. And the understanding that I have of it is still very rare. Uh, I still very... Uh, it's not a great amount of knowledge that I hold about it. I mean, was I born this way? Did it just pop up? Was there internal influences like genetics or was there external uh, influences like the past childhood trauma, stuff that I had to go through uh, as a kid that made me suddenly have depression? And so when I think that the um, person suffering from the illness doesn't understand it, 
I sometimes wonder if it's any easier for the people who don't suffer. It may be even harder for people who don't suffer from it to understand it as well. So I think right. there's a lack of understanding there that a lot of. Now, um, Khalil, since you are a specialist on this, um, do you think it has more to do with childhood trauma or do you think it develops throughout the years or it's all together? Khalil? Yes, I'm yeah, here. I'm here. I'm done. <laughs> oh. No, no. I said uh, asking Khalil. Khalil um, do oh. you yeah. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear anything. Go ahead. Ask okay. your question again. My question to you is, since you're an expert in dealing with stuff like um, with uh, mental illness, uh, do you think it has anything to do with with past experience like childhood trauma that uh, developed um, in adult years or vice versa or everything mm -hmm. all, all together? Uh, first, let me say I don't consider myself an expert. I I've worked with people who may be experts in the field. Uh, but what I would say is that it could be a co any one thing or a combination of things, uh, you know, uh, depending upon the individual. Uh, people have experiences which are directly come from one line of trauma or which I don't really think happens, but I'm just saying that and to be open-minded. Uh, but I, I believe that most people have several lines of trauma that they have to deal with it. it could be, you know, uh, historical, social, you know, it could be related to f family issues, uh, religious issues, any of these matters. The bottom line, I think, is that people are not getting the level of, uh, of therapy that is needed uh, uh, and because of uh, one, because of one, I mean, there's a lot of issues with that because of stigma, because of uh, uh, issues with, with health care in America and to be able to even afford it, or, or knowing way other alternative methods of, of receiving therapy. You know, therapy isn't just the traditional way it was thought when you go into a psychiatrist's office or such forth, and then you sit on the couch and you tell them everything that's going about you. Um, in traditional methods of therapy around the world, indigenous people, therapy is art, it's dance, it's song, it's communication. It's love, it's, it's, it's all of these things. It's cooking, it's planting. So we have to look at the total panorama of how you know uh, people become mentally ill. And then we have to look at the total panorama of ways people can use to also heal themselves. Okay. Um, Dean, since you're a pharmacist, yes. um, and my question to you is, do you think prescription drugs help people or or hinder them in in my experience it really the it really depends uh medications in my opinion shouldn't be the first line uh how i'm seeing this is that uh for people with mental illness when they're going through a lot i think in this kind of culture everyone wants an instant gratification quick fix that kind of thing so they're always going to look for some for, for a pill just like that uh in, in my in my experience, you can't just focus on a pill, okay? Just like with if it's any other disease state like diabetes, for example, if you're diabetic, you're taking pills for it. That doesn't mean you don't go on a. That means you. you that doesn't mean that you uh, eat healthy foods just because oh it makes you feel comfortable with this and that. That's what's the point. So what I'm saying is that 
for it it depends on the individual if it, taking medication helps the person mentally that's great but a lot of times there'll be people who take met who may maybe mistake mistake medication uh, misuse medication or they'll go into you know recreational ones and then that's going to definitely affect the mental illness so in a way there's no clear-cut answer across the board i think it's more about in a on a case-by-case -case basis okay now for everybody that's a part of this show i already know some majority of you are dealing with a mental illness how do you cope how do you handle your situation what do you do to make yourself i would say relax or calm when you're in your particular situation so i know in my case uh what what i do is i i try to just get away from it there'll be times after work i i would have i would just go away just to travel just try to get my mind off of things and before I get back into what I need to do. If it's during work, for example, sometimes I'll just step out, use the bathroom, try to do some really deep breaths, like count or count to 10, for example, but, and just use about maybe five to 10 minutes or so just to get, th get things together, let it out. There'll be times I start crying, you know, because it can hurt, you know, I, I, I would get meltdowns as well. So as, as an autistic, cause thing you get very, there, there's a lot of stimuli going on. Uh, there are people where they, they, they don't think straight and then they, they would use alcohol, for example, which I don't really recommend. Okay, if, if, even if you do drink alcohol, of course, keep it in moderation. Uh, Richie? Yeah. Uh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, well, you know, like I said, I was, uh, I dealt with depression when I was 10 years old and I really didn't know how to handle it. Um, and it seemed to, honest God, it seemed to kind of go away when I got older and, um, it would come at times and then it would go away and it would come at times and they would put me on Prozac or, you know, Lexapro or stuff like that. I was never the rebellious kid other than going around and egging friend, egging houses with my friends when I was a teenager. However, when I was about 21 to 24, I just kind of felt like I wasn't going anywhere in life. Uh, I, even though I was acting in community theater and stuff, it didn't really seem to do a whole lot for me. And then at 28, or 29, excuse me, uh, I got hooked on crystal meth, which is one of the hardest uh, to uh, kick. And when I wouldn't get my meth or my drugs, I would um, go into deep depression from coming down off the drugs. Um, you know, it was just a vicious cycle. Now I've been clean and sober since uh, Christmas Day of 2017. But the thing that gets me is that um, with the substance abuse issues and the depression, one affects the other. So I had to find something that I could uh, really help to get myself out of myself. That would include meditation, um, exercise. Um, I got into kind of sort of 
like the adult coloring books thing was a kind of a fad that I think's kind of died down. Um, I still see a counselor, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, this COVID thing, I'm telling you, it's 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 kicked a lot of people in the ass uh, on what we can exactly. do. Yeah. Because this this whole mental this whole staying cooped up inside and living in fear that if we take one step outside we're going to die, it's not good for the mentally ill. It's really not good because it's limiting our choices, and you can only sit and watch Netflix or or whatever so many times per day. But when everything was going on, I would try to get back to acting, but I would try to get out of my head as much as I can. Now, the problem with that is there were still times that it is very easy, especially for someone to, who deals with mental illness, to get stuck inside their head, regardless of what medication they're on. So just do whatever you can to get yourself out of yourself. Um, that's what I recommend. Plus, plus medicine and talking to somebody, that's always a big help, too. So, very proud of you. Congratulations. Congrats, congrats, man, congrats. Thank you. That was uh, eleven years, eleven yes. years of my life that I lost. Don't get, don't give up. All right. Oh you know, no, we're all here oh, for no. you. No, no, no. I, I, I found out through the drug abuse thing that uh, internal bleeding and I don't get along too well. <laughs> no, no, no. Internal bleeding doesn't get along with anybody. Some people even get internal bleeding, you, you know, from other conditions as well. Uh, the point I wanted to make is that um, there, it's not, again, it's not just with medications. As you said, uh, Richie, it's also exercise. I also want to bring up diet as well because mind and body is one. Okay, if you don't take care of one, you're going to screw up the other one. Uh, so, you know, that, that's why I go back to when it, you know, if you're not, if you're, if you're still eating, not, not, if you're not eating healthy, for example, you're taking medication to treat for diabetes, but it's what you're doing is not helping the diabetes, then you're not putting the effort in. It has to be a multifaceted thing. As Khalil said, it has to be through panoramas. It should be throughout. Multifaceted is going to and attack in all different levels, not just one thing. Uh, so, and also medication, especially with Prozac and Lexapro, those are what we call selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRI. So it's thought that serotonin, if there's more serotonin in the blood, uh, it's, you, it will help you you know, become a little bit more happy, quote unquote, in the brain. It's just that, of course, when you overdose it, there is something called a serotonin syndrome. And I see it as everything yeah. goes up. So you have a fever, very high fever. You get the shakes, your heart rate goes up and all that. That's considered a medical emergency. So, you know, just again, watch, watch what you're taking. And if you're not sure, always ask a yeah. medical professional. Oh. And Gina? Oh, so, oh gosh, I lost track of the question. This is, what do I do when I'm having um, a panic attack? Yes, or any type of, dep- whatever your depression is, yes. Uh, so for me, um, depression and anxiety tend to go hand in hand. But I think what I struggle with more is the anxiety because I when I'm having a panic attack in that moment, there's a ton of physical repercussions. You know, it's um, increased heart rate and nausea and overheating and um, shaking, you know, full body tremors and all the stuff that I think a lot of people don't associate with the word anxiety. Um, I think people who don't 
have, and I, I shouldn't really speak for people um, <laughs> who I don't know what they're experiencing, but it's my experience is when trying to explain this to other people, um, people hear the word anxiety and think, oh, you're just nervous, it's okay. Um, but it's much more than just being nervous. It is your body having that full-on flight or fight response to what could be something really minor, you know. Um, sometimes I don't always know what my triggers are, but I've gotten better at talking myself through it, and that's taken me years, years and years and years. I've been struggling with anxiety since long before I knew it had a name, um, so most recently I've um, started being extra kind to myself during my attack. So that's a lot of um, just positive affirmations. Like, it's okay, body. I know you think you're doing the right thing here, but we're going to get through this. And it sucks right now, but we are not dying. You're, you're not dying right now. So it's, it, it sounds silly, but it's a lot of me just talking myself through the talking to myself. It helps me personally to um, put on a television show that calms me. For me, it's Parks and Recreation. Um, Disney music or Disney movies tend to help me. And I think that um, for different people, it's going to be different things. But for me, comedy will help snap me out of whatever struggle I'm in in that moment. I agree. That's why they say laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> exactly. But that's try to laugh every day. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that medicine isn't important, and I'm sure the dean could speak to that too. But I do also have um, I have an as needed medication. I take lorazepam when I absolutely cannot get through it on my own. And that for me, I'm sure Dean has more information, but for me, um, that helps with the the physical repercussions of the panic attack. So it's my brain is still telling me, um, you know, that I'm I'm in a dangerous situation. But my like the tremors will slow down and um, my heart rate slows down. Stuff like that is um, when I take it. But I have a fear of taking too much medication. <laughs> Maybe that's another <laughs> another issue I have. I don't know. But I really don't like to take it unless I absolutely need to. And that's not to say that people shouldn't take medication if they need it. If it works for you, then you should absolutely um, talk to your doctor or your therapist about that. And uh, it's, it's all actually well said. Um, I actually tell people when they take, it's the class of benzodiazepines, so lorazepam's under that. I tell people, since it is a controlled substance, not to use it with alcohol because alcohol makes it worse because they're both uh, what we call CNS or central nervous system depressants. So, you know, it's, I always tell people to be careful with it. And of, of course you only take if it's needed. Some people even take it half of it and they're okay with it. But as long as they're within that range. Um, Khalil, do you have anything to say? Um, uh, for me, the way I deal with, any type of stress or trauma or depression is to uh, go within myself. And, you know, that's very vague, you know, because of, it sounds very Zen and Buddhist and all that stuff. And, you know, I ha I'm kind of an interesting case study because you know a little bit about me and I um, 
my father is a martial artist and a meditation teacher Buddhist. You know, he's Tibetan Buddhist and has one of like the highest initiations that you can have in Tibetan Buddhism, the Black Crown Ceremony. So I've been studying under, even though I'm not a Buddhist, I've been studying under a Buddhist all my life, and practicing mindfulness and, and, and such forth like that. So for me, it's just, you know, I developed a habit from a very young age and there's trauma in my family. Again, I said earlier that I have family members with mental health issues. You know, I'm not going to divulge who because that's their privacy. So, yeah. You know, and, and again, I believe we all have mental health issues. We just, some are macros, micros, and stuff like that. But I developed a mechanism from a very early age of just going within in myself. And, and as, as Buddhism teach, uh, which, you know, some people look at as religion, but it's really a science. It's a psychology as, you know, to, to look at the self, you know, to observe the self and how you're reacting and how you're responding and to breathe and to relax and to calm down and to not let your mind take you in places where that, you know, just will flip you out. You know, it, 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 it's, there's a lot of things that individuals can do. For me, it's just to look at myself. How am I responding? Why am I responding that way? You know, and, 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 and looking at the situation and, and making sure I'm not overreacting. But I, 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 to be honest, I rarely get into that space uh, and so I'm really, kind of really a hard person to ask that because I've been doing this for a long time. So I've developed a system to keep myself away from that. And, you know, so, but what I, you know, I, I, I can relate from my experiences, you know, and how I, you know, deal with family members and help them to like get past their issues and other people that I, that I deal with as well in terms of meditation and such forth. So, uh, like I said, everyone I think is, has trauma. You know, uh, I I believe everyone has mental health issues, but, you know, uh, because, again, living in this world that we live in and the trauma we go through from the recent issues of the world today, uh, our, our generational history of trauma, you know, and, and, and we all have various coping methods to, to deal with it. You know, I, I would just say that people need to look at healthy coping methods that uh, and mechanisms versus, you know, unhealthy ones that some of the uh, other guests spoke about, like drugs and alcohol like that, and, you know, uh, overdoing those things, you know, there, there are things that we could do, exercise, meditation, uh, communicating with other people, any type of hobby, all of these things are for a form of therapy, you know, um, and, and, you know, love is the greatest uh, cure to, 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 in my belief, to all uh, Okay, so therapy. Yeah. Sorry. Um, mm -hmm. So what I'm gonna ask is, I'm gonna ask y'all one last question. How do you feel about your family knowing about your condition, or how do your family handle the condition? Handle your condition. Okay. Well, for me, um, in more recent years, uh, my family has been much more understanding of it. But like I said, I've been struggling with this since before there was a name. So when I was young and having uh, panic attacks, I don't think my parents really understood what was going on. So there was a lot of, you need to toughen up, you need to be stronger, um, you're really weak-minded. And um, it, was, it was just a lack of information. And I'm grateful that we've moved into a time where although there is still a stigma, there is a very subtle um, 
but marked improvement in, in what people are accepting about um, mental illness and mental health in general. So I'm glad that now my family is um, much more aware of what's going on with me, but I don't, I don't know that any of us really fully understand it. I mean, I, I apologize because I forgot who was saying it before. I think it might've been Richie who was saying that, you know, you're struggling with this mental illness yourself, but you don't necessarily understand it. So of course it's going to be hard for anybody else to understand it if we're struggling to explain it and we're living it. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for the progress that we've made, even though it's small and incremental. Um, but that's, that's helped my family and me to cope with it a little bit more. Richie? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. so in, in my case, uh, in, the begin, in the beginning, it's a little bit similar to Gina because um, I was very sensitive to everything and I wasn't diagnosed later uh, until when I was 17. With, uh, at the time, it was called Asperger's Syndrome, and it was in the ICD, uh, it was actually, actually, no, I'm sorry, D, DMV, uh, D, D, no, DS, uh, D, di, the, the DSM, sorry, not the, it's, it's really DSM, so uh, DSM-3, uh, TR, I believe, so it, I had, I, I hated noises and all that stuff, I get anxiety because of the stimuli my parents didn't understood it they they thought that it was oh more discipline more discipline because we're Filip well, I'm Filipino so we're we have we're Asian so it's all about you know you got to do this you got to do it. education is very important this and that just do your work just do it you know if something happens you know just just do it but, and but it's not really very clear so uh, but as I got older as I got ever since I got diagnosed you know in the beginning I was in denial and but as I started learning about it I said you know what I'm gonna use it to my advantage I'm gonna use this to help people and you know in 2013 so it's around eight years after I got diagnosed I got my doctor of pharmacy degree so I started sharing this experience where you know you can have this mental illness if you do what you can to you know forgive yourself and seek help you know you you don't have to do this alone you can achieve great things and I, I wanted to share that with with everybody that uh you know e even with m mental illness you you're still you're still capable you're still competent and you're still valid so and um as as i grow 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 up being an adult i still talk to my parents um they're a little bit more understanding i think they're still having trouble understand um, I mean they're on they understand me but in terms of the, um, the, the the disorder the disability I think they're still learning about it you know be, because they're not used to this I mean for me I'm still learning about it myself but um, the more I learn about it the more you know I'm able to to be a little bit more in control and actually you know teach people about what, what these things are and then hopefully help empower other people uh, so they can um, take control of their lives a little bit more. Uh, Richie? Um, with the mental health issues, you know, I can honestly say, I think my mom was a little embarrassed by it. Uh, her upbringing was very conservative, very Christian. Um, and in that time period, which, uh, you know, she was a kid in the 50s and 60s, um, there were just certain things you didn't talk about. 
Uh, there were certain skeletons that stayed way back in the closet. Um, when she saw that I was a little bit more uh, traumatized as a kid, you know, I had it. My dad died when I was three. I was sexually abused when I was six. Uh, there's a lot of traumatic experiences. Uh, got, di got diabetic or got diabetes when I was 12. There's a long list of things. So I think she started to ease up on the um, realization that, hey, it's not always you're crazy. You've just had some, some and, and excuse me for using that word. It's not always that you're mentally ill. It's just that uh, you've had a bad experience that affected you mentally. Now, when it came to these substance abuse issues, uh, she was definitely embarrassed by that. But that's why I say the mental illness can sometimes affect people to go explore uh, or to self-medicate on things they shouldn't be doing. Uh, the depression definitely uh, helped pave the way for me to uh, grow on to be a drug addict. But uh, I think when it came down to the two, she was more embarrassed by the uh, substance abuse than she was the depression. Uh, my dad's not a, wasn't an issue because, uh, like I said, he died when I was three. There may have been something in his family uh, that had some sort of mental instability. But his family was so big, and because I was around my mom's side more than his – we wouldn't have known or we wouldn't have thought to ask. But um, yeah, it, it's just, you really have to watch out with some people. If you have older family members around my mom's age, I think they're the worst. They're the worst that are really kind of, you know, oh my God, he has a mental illness. What will the neighbors think? You know, what are the neighbors going to say if they, they find out he has this? So you really have to try to be patient with them. And I think she's come to grow in her understanding that there's a lot of things that happened as a kid to me that I hope to God no other kid has to go through. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, I, I think she's become more tolerant of it. My brother really wasn't surprised that I had as many uh, depression issues and stuff and he suffered from some himself. So she's handling it better. Gotcha. Progress, not perfection, as we say in AA. But uh, yeah. Um, Khalil, do you have any quick words before the show ends? Uh, just basically, look, you know, again, everyone is dealing with something, mm -hmm. you know, whatever term we put on it. And, you know, everybody needs love, patience, understanding, and everybody needs therapy and healing. We just need to be kinder with each other, you know, and, and, and you know, try to help each other. And that's basically what I have to say, you know. You have a problem, you know, you feel something's going on with yourself, seek some help, you know, look online, look for hotlines that deal with a lot of these issues of mental illness, substance abuse, stuff like that, you know, get some help and reach out to somebody if you feel that there's a problem going, you know, and, and you know, because you never know, your words could help save somebody's life. And I just want to congratulate everyone on this line who has a problem, or I'm sorry, who had a problem or mental health issues or such forth like that and have dealt with it and have moved on and move forward. Bless you all. And I would like to thank, thank you. you. Yeah, and thank everybody for being a part of the show. Um, y'all deserve a round of applause. Um, also, um, it's, to understand our stories is amazing and learning more about this. 
for the audience, um, this is a very important thing to these people and also to me. You know, this is more shed more light to uh, to the situation. So, America, we need to wake up. That's the best way to say it. <laughs> yeah, I just want to add one more point to it. I don't know if it's okay. <laughs> um, make it really quick. <laughs> yes. So I know a lot of pe a lot of people see when they see people they see disorder. Always uh, see them as human first, because we're all human beings. We all live and we all breathe. You know, listen to their needs. Right, definitely. And still, I would like to thank everybody for being on the show. It was truly an honor, thank and, you for having. and it was good to know things, for, not just for me, but for people that listen in, and also. Um, this is it for the show. Uh, Gina, thank you again. Dean, thank you for Richard, having me. Thank you for having me. You know, and also for the next episode, Gina might like this one. <laughs> night out. <laughs> That's the next episode, Girls' Night Out. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> uh, just keep it here on the Shamal Wheels show. And I am, I, no, not I. We are out. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Bye.